kings and lord of lords, yet shepherd, companion and servant. This is how we shall speak of the one everything we believe and do points to. So let us gather in the echo of coronations and find the one who ordains all monarchs, the same one who walks beside us, companion to the least and the lost. We worship together, whoever we are as one community, in the name of love. Hello, I'm Rory Hamilton, the Minister of New Kilpatrick Parish, and if you are watching this on Sunday morning, we are meeting with the Boys Brigade, celebrating their 125th anniversary, as well as celebrating the coronation uh, down in the church there. And we're about to have a picnic right here in the garden with lots of royal themed activities and all just for fun an excuse to bring us together. So if you are not too far away or too late, you'd be very welcome to join us. But let's sing together, even on our own, knowing others are joining in somewhere. Let us worship. Holy God, humble and generous, servant and companion, may our prayers shape us in the pauses and the stories and make this time holy, sacred, hallowed, a meeting place of heaven and earth. And in this thin slice of time and place, we gather in your name, hoping beyond hope for a love that redeems and renews and holds us close, that it might rebirth the world with justice and hope. May we hold such words for the world. Speak them when it is ready to hear. May we be the love you have incarnated that opens the gates for all, that each may find a place within your community. May we welcome an honest place where questions are encouraged and debate a principle of belief, that no one is excluded by limited doctrine and narrow interpretations. Creator, when all is said and done, may we simply be kind, generous, compassionate, loving, and mostly human. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This passage has been latterly known as the Great Commission, but it is not a term Jesus would have used. And if he said these words, he probably didn't intend them to be used as a commission to go and get new disciples as if all the church was about was membership. 
I think, and you know what I think really worth not very much, but you have to link this passage at the end of Matthew with the passage at the beginning, which is the Sermon on the Mount. Both are on hills. Moses went up on a hill to get the Ten Commandments and he died on a hill, Mount Nebo. Jesus went up a hill to give the new the, um, Sermon on the Mount, the new Moses. And I think either this passage was originally part of the Sermon on the Mount and has been moved here to the end because it actually says nothing if it, all it means is to go and get new members, unless we understand it as a call to a radical way of living the Sermon on the Mount illustrates. Go and make disciples means nothing unless it is linked to what Jesus describes in the sermon about discipleship. Then there is that word that has been translated as go. It has come down to us as a command, go and make disciples. Yet the Greek doesn't really say that, it rather says as you go. In other words, as you go into the world, as you live justly, make disciples. Make radical relationships, make just practices, and flesh this sermon as you go in the everyday relationships you make, it's really not about the church at all. But that is just my thought. You can make up your own minds here in the passage, better known as the Great Commission. Now, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. My mum was a nurse a long time ago, though maybe I shouldn't emphasise that long quite so much. But she tells a story of one of her patients that she was looking after who, who wore a, a silver bracelet and she would never take it off. It was silver with a, a wee silver cage attached to it and inside the cage was a chip of stone and she said, the patient said, this was a piece of the stone of destiny because there was someone in her family who was part of the group that stole the stone and brought it back to Scotland. This was a chip of the old block as it were. I imagine it's true but I don't know but it is a good story. It's just one of the many Many symbols we witnessed at the coronation on, in Westminster. Many of these symbols are ancient and some are even more ancient than ancient. The stone of Schoon being one of them because Scottish kings and queens didn't have a throne apparently. It was a stone of Schoon that they used which was about grounding them on something solid and even more ancient and eternal than their reign. A coronation and they are rare, not just in time, but in culture too, as there's no royal family in Europe that gets crowned. Is a service that is full of symbolism, from orbs to gloves, spurs to robes, even the crown. All are designed to point beyond the monarch, to something he or she represents. Bigger concepts such as fairness, servanthood, authority, 
all of them point to the greater authority of God. That is what a coronation is. The Archbishop who presided over George VI's coronation, whose name was the fabulous Cosmo Lang, wrote of the coronation, saying, the things behind the things that are seen and temporal are the things that are unseen and eternal. And that is perhaps something to remember when we read such passages as we read today about Jesus commissioning the disciples. There is an emptiness about the passage if you read it as an instruction to go and make disciples as if we were simply trying to increase the numbers of folk in the church. It's bigger than that. The Greek actually says, as we mentioned before, as you go, in other words, as you live out your lives, make disciples. It's that there's something bigger going on. We are bigger than the church. God is bigger than the church. Behind it is something unseen and eternal. We're always pointing beyond ourselves and how we live out our lives. The church is just a sign, a symbol of something beyond itself. It doesn't exist for its own good, but sometimes you feel it does as it tries to enliven a rather more abundant spent institution as you go as you live as you journey be a sign of that which is unseen and eternal the king of kings the royal priesthood the god who calls and ordains each of us to turn towards our neighbor and serve them and in doing so point beyond ourselves living as a symbol to what Thank you for your company today. As always, I thank you for allowing us to accompany you in worship. As I said, we have a picnic about to go on here in the garden. And that's if it's not wet. Right. We're not very really sure what the weather's going to be like. But anyway, it's going to go ahead anyway. It'll be in the hall or it'll be in the garden. And we'll have lots of royal things going on. So that's one way of bringing ourselves together. And you're very welcome to join us if you have got time to do so today. Also, there's all the activities in the bulletin. You can get that on the website at npchurch.org.uk and all the other activities that we're taking part in. A few things are starting to happen as well. We're going to start sharing our services over the summer with the Cross Church, but that's a month or so away yet. We've got Pentecost coming up at the end of May, so a big celebration with that. And we have a worship collective, a self-selecting group of people to come along and um, sit and discuss Pentecost so we can gather ideas together to create a service. So in all these different ways we're hoping to engage people with our worship. Midweek service is always on at 11 o'clock which is a great uh, popular um, service that we do now. Coffee and cake afterwards as well. It's great. Just come along just for 20 minutes and then a blether afterwards and um, various activities. So please do come and join us to the extent that you feel able to do so. But let's gather our, our own thoughts and our own concerns for the world and bring them together in our prayer for others. Creating God, King of Kings, in this coronation season, we pause in this kingdom community and pledge our love, our hope, our vision, our living to your greater community. And as we talk of thrones and scepters and robes, may we see your throne 
on the pavement sides of our world. And your scepter rising over the places we are to speak your authority and see your robe as the one that covers the cold and hungry and least. God of this world, may our monarchs point us to you. That sense of calling towards all people, of every faith and none, may we be servants of all as we serve one another. And in all the pomp and pageantry, may we never forget a world in which we are called to be your subjects, towards Sudan's warring, Afghanistan's utter poverty, Ukraine's conflict, Israel-Palestine's relationship, a world where some people seem to be worth less than others. We pray for our nation, our leaders and our monarch and the sense of duty they carry, ordained as your servants, that they are able to meet truth with grace, need with compassion and duty with servanthood and your strength through everything. King of Kings, save us from ourselves with the love that calls us to be your radical followers, your generous disciples, on the way to the kingdom of love. Amen. Go in peace. In the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the common life of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. <laughs>